Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable. We have four of the Blog Boys here. Myself, Seth Vonador, Nathan Bond, and Robert Stieg of the Bay Area Examiner. And Nick Simon of DraftKings Network. Stieg, Nathan, and I all had a tough week. Uh, one in three for all of us. Uh, but Nick and Vita were able to keep the show afloat. Nick went three and one. Uh, the only one you missed, Nick, you're with me on Oregon plus two and a half. I think Dan Lanny knows this one there. You got to watch that game. You know, what was your thought on it? We were, we were watching a equally enthralling USF versus <laughs> FAU game. Uh, so what were your thoughts? You're, you're the only one that really had eyes on that game. What were your kind of thoughts on the game and how it kind of affects things going forward? Yeah, brother. I, I was watching that USF FAU game as well, like on the side. And then once it started to get wonky and out of hand, it's like, nope, I'm going to just go right back over here. Um, Man, that was a that game lived up to the hype. That game lived up to the hype. Great. If you watched it because like Washington and Oregon were just throwing haymakers at each other. And it was back and forth and back and forth. And those are always the best type of games where any one of those two teams could have come out on top and and like you credit you credit i mean washington legitimate like washington legitimate college football playoff contender like that team fantastic quarterback michael Penix jr tampa native michael Penix jr who's now the uh front runner for the heisman trophy he was fantastic they have fantastic receivers just all around, like just all around, like definite game of the year candidate right there. That was it was it was incredible to watch, and I implore you guys to like go back and actually watch, like go go to YouTube and actually pull up like the full game highlights from that. It was it was incredible, An incredible scene in Seattle too. Was it was it cooler than seeing Tom Herman kick an onside kick up forty points? Yes. Yes. Well, cool I don't know. That was pretty cool. I cackled really hard when that happened. So, you know. I looked down and I looked back up and I had no clue what happened. I was like, what did they guy miss hit it? What happened? I couldn't believe it. I was, it was really funny. Yeah. So, you think we we're going to see a rematch here, Nick? I, I haven't looked at both their schedules, but I think there's this is a year where there's no divisions. It's the top two teams of the Pac 12. How big time would a rematch be? That would be huge. That would be incredible. I mean, we've been talking about it all year. It's the last, it's the last year of the Pac-12, unfortunately. And you want to go out with a bang, just have these two teams meet once again in Las Vegas. And again, man, this could very much be um a re a rematch scenario, considering USC, like USC being shaky, USC suddenly being shaky. Utah, there's still a bunch of weirdness with cam rising you know them kind of it's like oh yeah he's ready and then he doesn't play um you know other teams like oregon oregon's like that's another team like you shouldn't sleep on it's oregon state still like killing it up there they're gonna get those their cracks of those two teams just but i i yeah i do think like we'll eventually come right back around to washington versus oregon in the pac-12 title game and a really like which is a really fitting a really good year for them to eliminate the divisions so we can get that yeah, yeah that's that was, that was good that we're kind of we 
whatever game we end up there, I think you're going to have a good one. There's a lot of quality at the top there. Uh, USC is kind of going out the way they have. (laughs) I mean, they're going, in my opinion, the reason the Pac-12 is dead is because USC has been this for the last 10 plus years. They're not good enough to carry. And they're just, I don't know, man. I was shocked. It's not shocked, but I was pretty surprised that they just kind of went out with a whimper against Notre Dame. It seemed like. Well, we we've talked about their uh, their suspect defense with Alex Grinch all season long, but that game wasn't really on their defense. It was just Caleb Williams just picked the worst time to have probably the worst game of his career. He had three interceptions in the first half, and then they were just basically out of it from there, and they were just chasing Notre Dame for the rest of the way. And that, yeah, just that that was just a bad performance. But like like you just mentioned, we've seen that with USC for the last decade where they'll be good, but not quite at the like elite level. So we'll see how they do down the stretch. They have a tough one against Utah this upcoming weekend. Yeah. And then I I thought the next kind of, so that game, it was no real surprise that that game was awesome, but I thought kind of the, one of the, maybe the bigger surprise of the weekend, um, North Carolina might be a lot better than we thought. Now, uh, you, me, and Vito all picked North Carolina to cover the three and a half. Uh, Nate went under, which I think North Carolina just kind of was too good. I, you didn't know about Tez Walker, right? That was he's kind of a different animal. Really wasn't expecting a three touchdown performance in his first uh, start of the season, but uh, lo and behold, um, man, that's a neat. That's a neat little addition to that offense, huh? That's a nice little <laughs> trade deadline pickup. <laughs> I mean, good lord, he was everywhere, and it was, it was what seventeen fourteen and a half. I think Miami kicked the field goal uh, right before that, and he kind of felt you know Miami looked pretty good toward the end of that first half, and then uh, UNC just kind of turned it on, and it turned into the Drake May show, and it was uh, impressive, and it's why you know a lot of pundits are thinking you know Caleb Williams isn't a surefire lock for one, one in the April NFL draft and uh, seeing Caleb's performance on Saturday night also didn't help, uh, you know, Drake may playing so well and Caleb playing uh, as poorly as he did uh, kind of like fuels those fires. Sieg, are you regretting backing Mario Cristobal last week? Uh, Seth, I have a lot of regrets in my life. <laughs> so uh, that's a quite a loaded question. Uh, no, I, 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 you know, frankly, I forgot Tez uh, was going to be back for that game. That probably would have changed a bit of my uh, my foresight on it. But um, you know, I, I I had no regrets on it. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think I'm going to stop believing in people from now on. I think I'm just going to go off vibes. There you go. I got you this far, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, we're picking an Alabama game this week, so you have an opportunity to end that Damn streak bastard. there. <laughs> And <laughs> looking at other picks, uh, UCLA, Oregon State turned out to be a pretty good game. Oregon State uh, covered the number there. Vito and Nick got that one. And Nick also was the only one to hit his off-the-board pick last week. Michigan minus 33.5. Are they the best team in the country? They may very much be the best, like the most complete team in the country, you know. You, again, it's like a similar to a Georgia situation where they're they've had a pretty weak schedule, you know, starting off. But 
like they've done exactly what you're supposed to do as a dominant team. They've just completely body bagged everybody on that schedule. And it's, and they're doing it in a manner where they put the game out of, like they put the game out of reach by the third quarter and then they get the opportunity to put their backups in and get them like pretty good playing experience, which that's going to be very important down the stretch, especially as injuries pile up and you're getting into these tough games against Penn State and Ohio State and the Big Ten championship game and then eventually the playoffs. So having those like other guys outside of J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum be able to come in and like actually get reps and get important playing time like that, that team, like I said, man, that team may, may very well be the best team in the country. It's just it's just unfortunately, like, we haven't really seen them play anybody yet, but they've almost been perfect so far. Yeah, they've got uh, a rivalry game this weekend, and I that was I was really wanting to go off the board there. I think it opened like 22 and a half, or is it 22 and a half earlier this morning? It's already up to 24 and a half. It's, uh, it, that's, maybe it'll stop there, but uh, I would imagine Harbaugh, being the weirdo that he is, is going to want to hammer Michigan State uh as much as he can so that'll be one to watch but uh like you said they haven't played a ton of teams but and they have two pretty tough games ahead and we'll get to the two of those teams we've got penn state at ohio state this week penn state is a four and a half point underdog on the road at ohio state when the total is at 47 Vito, who couldn't be with us likes the buckeyes to cover the four and a half Stieg, where are you headed here? I have no stats to back this up, but I feel like a lot of uh, these big-time matchups, I feel like the the home team is always winning them, um, at least over the past two weeks. So I'm going to go with against my better judgment because I really, really like Penn State this year. Um, so I'm going to go with Ohio State to, to cover that at home. Yeah, it does seem like the home field advantage is kind of, really showed up this year at times. Uh, Nick, we'll go to you next. Penn State's offense has been kind of not great, but their defense is really good. Um, Ohio State's somewhat similar at times, but they do have that extra gear that you think is out there. What are you thinking on this game? I'm going Penn State here. So, so the thing about Ohio, so Ohio State has really controlled this rivalry since I was looking up. They've controlled this rivalry since 2006, for the most part. Penn State, the last time um, they won in um, Columbus was 2011, which, if you remember, that was like that weird, um, that was like that weird probation year, like post Trestle, like in between Trestle and Tattoo, the pickle head coach year. Yeah. The pickle head coach here, but no, nah, man, like I think I believe in this Penn state team, you know, like we, I mentioned before the season started drew Aller been great. He's uh, not even thrown an interception yet. Kind of has a, it's kind of similar to uh, CJ Stroud with the Texans this year, having that streak going. Um, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have been like a great one, two punch, which that's not surprising. Also Penn state's a perfect, six and zero against the spread heading into this game so they've handled they've quietly handled their business even against like i mean they shut out iowa and 
you know, they played some kind of weaker teams, but they've still handled their business in a good fashion. I think what the difference for this game is going to, it's going to come down to Ohio State's run game. Ohio State's run game has not really been that great. And and it's kind of a concern that uh, Travion Henderson kind of has injury problems. It's kind of been dealing with injury problems for the last couple of weeks. They held him. They ended up holding him out of the Purdue game last Saturday. It, meanwhile, Penn State's run defense—they're giving up just uh, 2.4 yards per carry and s- just over 72 rushing yards a game. So it's going to be tough for Ohio State to run the ball here. I know that they could hit just hit the Marvin Harrison Jr. button, <laughs> but if you're not like if you can't establish a run, then then like it, it's going to be tough to just constantly try to hit that button like the entire game. So I think the Nittany Lions will go into, will go into the horseshoe this weekend. And I think they'll come out victorious. And also just with Ohio state this year, like last week they vaporized Purdue, which whatever, but very, they're, they're like a very sleepy first half team. And you can't do that when you're playing up against a Penn state team that pretty much been in control for the entire season. So I think Penn State gets it done here. Yeah, my my question with Penn State, right, is they haven't really been tested much this year. But like you said, they've covered every spread. So like they're it's not like they're underachieving, right? Um and then the offense hasn't been electric. You're not moving the ball down. You're not really explosive. Uh but your success rate is really good and the defense has been great. Um, I think this might this is going to be a tight one, so I'll take the four and a half points. I'm going to take Penn State as well. I don't know if they'll win outright, but I think it'll be a close game. And you've got, you know, under is somewhat appealing, but that's a 47 is a low total when with the, kind of the weapons that are on the field, just because both defenses I think uh, will probably play pretty well. Nathan, where are you headed? At? Uh, <clears throat> are you going all totals again? That was your strategy last week. Uh, and it went poorly, so I'm absolutely <laughs> abandoning ship. Um, uh, I got burned. I got. I got. I got. I flew too close to the sun. Um, so since 2012, Penn State has beaten Ohio State exactly one time, and that was in 2016 in State College. They are since then they are 0 and 3 in State College, and the games haven't been particularly close over the last few years uh if penn state wants to be considered one of the best teams in the country this is like they they absolutely have to win it like they they can't come close like you have to win this game like to show hey we're we're different than we claim to be the last few years uh but until you do that i am going to go against you whenever you play michigan and ohio state and for that reason, I'm taking Ohio State minus four and a half. I got to see it to believe it. I think that's uh, a terrible, <laughs> a terrible outlook. Um, just haven't been able to get over that hump. And speaking of getting over the hump, Tennessee did last season, uh, but now they go on the road at Alabama. It's at minus nine. Alabama's a nine-point favorite. The total, again, a low total here, 47-and-a-half for Tennessee, Alabama. Let's go 
Vito thinks that's way too low. We're getting a over 47 and a half here for Tennessee, Alabama. Steeg, Alabama's been your nemesis so far this yeah, year. Yeah, and, and I hate this. Uh, I hate this because my like football brain is like, stop betting against Nick Saban. And then every time I bet against Nick Saban, it ends up biting me in the ass. And then every time I'm like, you know what? Nick Saban doesn't have that dog in him anymore. Uh, they end up blowing out a team by like 38 points. Um, I mean, this Tennessee team is, is capable of obviously knowing the system is capable of just putting up points on top of points, but is Nick Saban going to let the same team that, you know, put up 52 on him last year, do the same thing again this year. I don't really think so. Despite the challenges that Bama has been having this year. Um, I gonna take uh, roll the dice vibe saying, give me the under. I, I think that they, Vegas knows something that we don't go into this game and might get a, might get a little bit of a snooze fest in uh, Tuscaloosa. I think that's a very, dis- very distinct possibility. Um, Nathan, where, where, what are you thinking of this one? So, I mean, it's clear both of these teams are not at full capacity, right? Like it, they, each teams have their each glaring issues, mostly at quarterback for both teams. Uh, they just, you know, fits and starts for Tennessee and Alabama hasn't quite seemed to figure out how they want to use Milrow. Um, and nine points is a lot. And I know Alabama is going to want to lay the smackdown on a, on a rival. I mean, there's a reason why that classic YouTube video exists of why do you hate Tennessee? And it's, <laughs> it is just fantastic. Right. It was, yeah. Yeah. It's Alabama fans talking about Tennessee. Um, yeah. But with that said, nine points is a lot. Give me Tennessee plus nine and I'll, I'll live with it. If, Alabama goes out and wins by 40, because I think it'd be really funny. That would be very funny. <laughs> Nick, what are, what are your thoughts? Is nine too much? It's come down. It was nine and a half, so there is some uh, there's some people saying that's too much. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm on uh, Tennessee to cover here. I think nine is a bit much. I think this game is going to be pretty tight. It's going to be a close game like last year's game is, but it's not going to be the fireworks show that we got last year uh both teams kind of similar in categories like sp plus third down conversion percentage on both sides red zone conversion percentage both teams have decent quarterbacks that are also have a lot of flaws to their game but at the same time both quarterbacks are capable of breaking off an explosive play or two every single like every single game um, I think we were kind of too eager in hindsight. We were kind of too eager to completely write this Alabama team off because their defense is still elite. And they, in with Milrow, they have been running the ball relatively well. But I think that moving forward, if they are going to win the SEC West and get back to Atlanta, it's kind of, it's going to be kind of what it's been the past couple of weeks where they're going to have to grind out like a lot of these close games. And I think that's going to be the case this Saturday. So I have Tennessee covering here. I have no idea who's going to like actually win. I just think that it's just going to be really close. Yeah, this is the term. Uh, this is tough because um, 
you know, I'll probably end up. I'll take. I think Tennessee will keep playing towards the for the end of the game. Uh, you know, I'm gonna take Alabama. Never mind. I'm gonna take Alabama. I just, I, I don't. I saw this Tennessee team on the road at Florida. They were very out of sorts. Um, Alabama, I think, is a good bit better to Florida, especially on defense. It's Florida's kind of the last few weeks we've seen. They were able to stop Tennessee in the run game pretty easily, but have not been able to stop a bad South Carolina run offense this last weekend. So I'll take Alabama begrudgingly. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'll just kind of – I'm going to roll with Saban in these rivalry games until – I get bucked off, I guess. So next we head to the ACC. So Alabama is kind of descending. Uh, Florida State is ascending here. They are a 14-point favorite. They have Duke coming into Tallahassee. The total, again, another low total is 49. Have we heard much on Riley Leonard? I know. uh, Where is he at? Like, what percentage do you think he's at? Because uh, I think that's I probably he, a big determinant. I thought he like died. <laughs> like I thought, I thought he was like done for the year. He that's was, how much I paid attention to that. He was like throwing. He was throwing it around. Um, like I think before their game against NC State last week. So, like again, like we'll ha- we'll have to see throughout the week. He could play. It's just the thing is, if he does play, he won't be really mobile because he. he, So it's like if he plays this Saturday, he still won't be quite a hundred percent. Yeah, and FSU, you go back and watch against Clemson. They're not afraid to just bring the pressure, right? Uh, So I'd imagine if he's if he's out there and is not super mobile, uh, it could be a tough part or a tough game for him because his legs are a really big part of his game at this point. So uh, that will be an interesting one. And it is 14 and 49. Uh, Let's start with Nick here. We've got Vito likes the under Duke FSU under 49. What do you think, Nick? I'm, I'm with Vito. I have the uh, under, under 49 here. Um, Yeah. Like with or without Riley Leonard, like I don't think Duke has the firepower to like keep, you know, to keep up with this Florida State team, I, I, I mean, I could have gone with, uh, with Florida State just straight up covering here, and I think they will. But I, I don't think the Knowles totally destroy uh, Duke at home here because we know that Mike Elko is a hell of a defensive coach. Like, and he'll get his guys, you know, ready and pumped up for this game. Duke, um as was the case last year and the first half of this year, they're really good at creating turnovers. They're like always in the top of the, of the, um, of the nation near the top of the nation in turnover margin. And I think they can force a couple of turnovers off of uh, Jordan Travis in this game. I just think like they'll, they'll make it, they'll make it somewhat difficult for Florida state to move the ball and like really score. Like they'll actually make them work for it. So I think like this game will, I think the final for this game will be somewhere in the category or somewhere in the range of like 31 to 14 or something like that. So I think the under just barely catches here. Okay. Let's go next. Let's go to Stieg here. Stieg, you went under in the last game. Are you feeling it here too? No. It, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day in Tallahassee um, that day. 
so uh, give me Florida State to to win outright and win by more than fourteen. Um, I, I know I know we got very infatuated by Duke and you know what what Riley Leonard could or could not do, and you know if, if he becomes you know full strength one hundred percent, you know that might change things. But I, I mean, this Duke offense without him is pretty not great. Uh, you know, based off of the stats, based how they were uh, playing the game last week, I don't see much inspiration to keep up with Florida State. Um, I know their defense can be rather stout at times, but I also think Jordan Travis is a freak of nature. So, you know, uh, I think you can game plan and I think you can throw elaborate blitzes and you can try to throw Jordan Travis off his game. And, you know, you might do that at once drive and then he's going to rattle one off for like a 75 yard touchdown run so yeah give me a give me florida state here easy all right fsu easy i've cursed them now by the way just, <laughs> just because of that all right nathan where are you headed here yeah i know you've got some love in your heart for florida state deep down I, in the recesses somewhere i do uh you know if i wasn't a diehard usf fan i would absolutely be a no um and it's not particularly close with any other state of florida school <laughs> Uh, I fell in love with FSU basketball, and it kind of permeated there. However, Florida State football historically loves to trip over themselves in October and loves to trip over themselves in home games. I have witnessed it in the stadium with my own two eyes on multiple occasions. There's a Boston College game that I distinctly remember where I believe they threw two pick sixes like in, near the five-yard line, like going in to score. One was to Greg Reed. Uh, that's a that's a pull. That's a well, deep that's recesses pull. Valdez, um, the kid, right? Yeah. Uh, it just – I want it to not happen because I think Florida State being really good is fun for the state. It's fun for college football. It's exciting. Uh but I really like Duke's defense, regardless if Riley plays or not. I think they can compete. They may wear down, and it may end up being a blowout. But 14 points is a lot. And much like Penn State, uh, prove to me that you're not going to trip over yourself. And uh, I think this is the team that probably could do it. But you also got a lemon booty coach sometimes in Mike Norvell. So it's really it's a really tough balancing act. So I'm going to take Duke plus 14 here. Yeah, SP Plus has this as a seven-point game. Uh, that obviously doesn't factor in injuries, but I just thought that was interesting. I'm a little – I'm not super confident either way in the side, so I'm going to go under 49 as well. I think there's a very real possibility that you know Duke has a lot of trouble moving the ball. They actually got out – uh, North Carolina State last week kind of killed them in terms of success rate. It was the most lopsided game in terms of where uh, the loser was better than the winner, like North Carolina state was much better than in success rate last week. And they were able to hit some explosives. I think that'll be tough for against Florida state. Uh, but the Duke defense is really good. So I'm going to go under 49 as well. Uh, kind of with Vito and Nick there. I think that's a good call. So now we get to go off the board. Now, Nathan, I think you've promised a fun off the board. Do we need to save you for last? No, I mean, if you, if you want to lead off, I think I, I just think it's interesting how high the point total is or the the line was. Let's now see. And I, so when I looked, and I could be dead wrong, but prior to going live here, 
Tulane was a 19 and a half point favorite versus UNT, North Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tulane is fantastic. They are the cream of the crop of this conference. Man, that's a lot of points. That is like, that is a lot of points to give up to a, a North Texas team that's put up some points this season. Uh, I think they they really kind of got dominated a couple weeks ago or, or kind of early in in the season, um, but other than that, I, I kind of like what they've been able to do. Uh, they demolished Temple. Now the Navy loss was not great for them, but it was a nice bounce back. Um, like Cal Cal beat the brain beat the brains in opening game of the season, but since then, you know, forty six points, forty forty five. You know, twenty four against North Tech, uh, against Navy, you know, run the triple, forty five points again. Like they had, it seems like they have a pretty exciting offense. They can they can get pointsy, so uh, I think they'll they'll keep slinging it. They'll try to score, and just nineteen and a half is just a lot, a lot of points to give up in a conference game. So I'm I'm taking UNT in the points. Ooh, the old North Texas plus. 19 and a half. I thought you were going the other way there when you pulled that one out. All right, so Vito is going to go with a disgusting game here. He's going to go Wisconsin-Illinois under 42. That's his pick off the board. I've actually gone with an under as well. I thought, you know, just I'm going to take Texas and Houston under 61 and a half. Uh, I don't think when Houston plays good defenses, their offense is particularly great. Texas, I think, can get margin and kind of slow down here. They're, I think they're a 22-point favorite or something in the 20s, I believe, point favorite in this game. I'll take the under. I think their defense is pretty good. Oklahoma had to make a ton of plays to score on them in that game or get short field. So and I think Oklahoma's offense is a lot better than Houston. So. Uh, I guess motivation may be a factor, but in-state game, I'd like to under there. And if they come out slow, then that probably leads to less points for Texas. So, all right, Stieg, off the board. Where are you going? Off board. You went slot machine style this week? Just Yeah, uh, and one of them kind of caught my eye when I looked at the screen. Um, it's actually an early game. It's, the, it's a Thursday night fun belt matchup, oh, big baby. game. James Madison. Playing Marshall, we have some affinity uh, with a, with a fellow over at James Madison, uh, one of Mister Jordan McLeod, uh, who has been uh, pretty good for the for the Dukes this year. Uh, they've went through an absolute ringer uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, sorry, I had the schedule up for a second. Um, yeah, they, they've gotten through a ringer of defenses the last couple of weeks, playing Troy and South Alabama in the last like three weeks. So. Uh, they've had their uh, tough test, and this Marshall team also brings a tough uh, defense, but they are hitting their stride right now. Uh, so James Madison's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, give me James Madison to uh, own that a little bit more, get a little bit more pointsy uh, there, and uh, win probably, probably like a, you know 16 or 17. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's one I looked at. I liked it a lot, Steve. All right, Thank we'll you. end with Nick here. No, I, I missed. I've... Uh, I was terrible last week, so that may not help you. But uh, Nick, you got the last off the board pick here. Where are you going? 
Well, before I get, uh, I'll, I'll mention, before I get to my pick, I'll mention uh, James Madison is the best, probably the best team in the Sun Belt. They're probably the best team in the Sun Belt. And it's a shame that they are ineligible for postseason play. It is ridiculous. It's, it is absolutely ridiculous that with this rule, it is obvious with this uh, transition rule where they're ineligible for postseason play. They're obviously competing at this level. Like they didn't really need a transition period. They're good. Like this team, if they were eligible for postseason play, they would be in consideration for that group of five New Year's six spot. They're that good. And so it's the NCAA needs to change this within the next six weeks. Like it, that's, that's ridiculous. Now for my pick, I'm going to go for the second week in a row. I'm going to go back to the state of Michigan. You alluded to it earlier. Michigan's a heavy 24 and a half point favorite. They were, and I'm going to take Michigan to cover it there because they were already going to roll a Michigan state team whose season is just completely lost, like over done. Like we can just go ahead and like call it right now. But if you remember last year, that tunnel fight with the Michigan state players, jumping like the Michigan players in the, in, or the one Michigan player in the tunnel and that controversy and like charges were filed and everything like that. Jim Arbaugh said today, like, Hey, listen, like, you know, it was basically a long time ago. You know, we have like goldfish mentality, you know, like (laughs) we're looking for full crap. Harbaugh was again, they were already going to, Roll this Michigan State team. Harbaugh is going to go out of his way to try to drop 70 on this Michigan State team. And same with all of those players. They are going to go into East Lansing and try to drop as many points as possible. Like JJ McCarthy, who's been like fantastic this year, he's usually like out of the game by the middle of their. No, JJ McCarthy's absolutely playing the fourth quarter in this game. Like they're going to light Michigan State up. So yeah, just hammer it all the way with Michigan in this this week. I forgot about that factor. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, famous non-grudge holder. Uh, <laughs> he's a maniac. I'm sure he's got grudges from when he was like eight years old, and somebody like bumped him in the lunch line. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not trusting the goldfish mentality there. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> did you did y'all see the video? Uh, it was from the Lebatard show. Dan Lebatard talking about. Um, like the random crazy stat that you would never believe is true. <laughs> the Bojack, the Bo Jackson stat. Yes. No. What was it? Jim Harbaugh has more career rushing yards in the NFL than Bo Jackson. <laughs> That's wild. Captain comeback. That, that blew nice. my mind. And so when he, when he said that, I absolutely looked it up, and he's got him by like 150 yards. Harbaugh can move back in the day. Well, Harbaugh also played like. 10 more years than Bo Jackson did. And more importantly, when Harbaugh went down and the Indianapolis Colts needed a victory, who do they turn to? Kerwin Bell. And he came (laughs) in and was perfect and had a perfect NFL passer rating. I swear, we're always always six degrees separation of Kerwin Bell on this show. That's right. Our cats. Our cats. That's the the game of the weekend. Forget about Ohio State, Penn State. Our cats. Play Furman. That's the game of the weekend. That's the game of the week right there. Do you, they, is anybody got a pick for that? Yeah, I got a pick. Western Carolina. 
Western <laughs> Western Carolina is coming off a bye week last week. Uh, they they they're in, I think in the top fifteen now. Big game, massive. So that'll be fun. So if you're looking for a game, that should be a fun one to watch. Colgan Cole Gonzalez, Desmond Reed, running back from Miami, who was like a four star running back that Caden Kerwin got up to uh, the Wii. Hopefully and he had five rush. Hopefully his hamstrings good. He uh, scored five rushing touchdowns two weeks ago. No big deal. Pretty good player. That's it for another edition of the Blog Boy Roundtable with some FCS extra there at the end. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're doing here. We, we go deep into these games. We'll be back next week to review these picks and look at, I don't know, I haven't looked at the schedule. Probably another great slate of games. It's college football. Every week's awesome. Uh, thank you for watching. Like, subscribe, leave a comment, help us game the YouTube algorithm. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.